Thanks for tuning in to Better From The Ground Up. Today we're talking about the basics of the plant growth process, exploring the crucial role of soil health, and discovering how biologicals and biofertilizers are the secret sauce to supercharging your crop yields. Every morning when you get up, you run up the flag, it says balanced nutrition, and you salute it every morning. That's what I'm here to do today. That's my strategy. There's no magic program for everybody. It's about identifying what's most limiting and fixing it. So it's amazing what the crop can do when your nutrition is squared away and everything's good and adequate and balanced. It's like any coach would tell you, you've got to start with the basics. So what key factors drive plant growth? What are the basics? You don't have to be an expert in plant physiology to understand this. Plant growth boils down to three things, and you've heard this many times before sunlight, water, and nutrients. So photosynthesis is the magical process that converts sunlight into energy for plants. But to make this process hit peak performance, we need to go a little bit deeper into soil health and biology. Soil health is often overlooked. In farming, you hear a lot about equipment. You talk a lot and hear a lot about planters, new sprayers, new sprayer technology, new planter technology, combines. Um, all those kind of things are, are a big focus, and while they matter, they're not the most important thing. But before all of that, before all of those pieces of equipment are going to pay you the biggest ROI, it comes down to soil health. Healthy soil provides a nurturing environment for your plants. It offers stability in stressful times. It helps improve nutrient uptake, water retention. It's your MVP. It takes a whole team to play the game but we all know the team suffers if the star player is out for the season. So when it's time for the first draft, your first pick needs to be a healthy soil. One reason we say this is that agriculture is laden with short-term investments. When I say short-term investments, I'm talking about things that are only gonna pay dividends for one to maybe three or four or five years. Your equipment purchases, they're gonna be new and shiny in the beginning, and that's great, but a lot of times, five years in, sometimes shorter, you're trading for new stuff. You buy fertilizer, a lot of times fertilizer is only going to be used that growing season, and then it's either going to be leached away or locked up. So something like that is what we would consider a short-term investment. We have all but forgotten that we need to focus on and make long-term investments as well. So that would be your soil and your soil health. This isn't only going to benefit you this year, it's going to benefit your family for generations to come. So we say, start with your soil health and then build the rest of your team with from that strong foundation. Plant growth begins in one of two ways, either on a strong foundation with lots of beneficial biology to help it germinate and grow and produce, or it starts on a weak foundation with lots of stress to overcome, things like compaction, pathogen pressure, lack of support and nutrient uptake and translocation, all of the things that beneficials do for you, your plant's going to have to work much harder to accomplish if it doesn't have that biology there to support it. So the path we start on, or the path that our plants start on rather, is going to have a big impact on our overall yield. No one ever made it to the pros or the big leagues without first perfecting their foundational skills. In our case, this is our soil health. Now, of course, there are things that we can do beyond this, beyond soil health, to continue to make improvements in our crop growth, our yield, and our profitability, but not until we build that foundation. So if you want to know how big a skyscraper is going to be, what's the one question you should ask yourself or ask the architect? 
how deep is the foundation, okay? You don't build a huge building on a shallow foundation unless you want it to collapse in in some kind of a weather event or an earthquake. If you want a big building, a.k.a. big crops and big yields, you better have a very deep and a very solid foundation, okay? Plants make a determination of their overall yield potential very early in the game. As soon as that that seed germinates, it knows what kind of environment it's in. It knows if it's in a good environment or a poor environment. It, It senses those stresses, things like lack of nutrition, lack of water, compaction, too much salt. It senses all of those things. It knows the environment that it's in. And based on the environment, by the time that plant comes out of the ground um, and is just in early vegetative stages, it's already determined um, what kind of top-end potential do I have. So we can't alter the genetics. The genetic potential is very high in all of our crops. If you took a soybean seed or a corn seed, any plant at all, if you could take that seed and plant it in the Garden of Eden, where it had no stress, it always had sun, water came up from underneath, there's no disease, no pests, and it had a perfect life, no stress ever, how much could it produce? It's mind-blowing. You can't really even wrap your mind around how much our plants could produce if they had a perfect life. Obviously, we don't have a perfect life on Earth. Neither do our plants, right? There are going to be stresses, but my point is genetic potential is what could that plant do if there were no stresses and it never lacked for anything so you got to understand that when you pay high prices for seed you're paying for the genetics and the genetic potential we can't influence that you bought the seed it came in the bag you can't change the genetics that's up to the breeders all we can do is either maintain a lot of that genetic potential and yield or we can let it slip away Every decision that we make is going to go towards either maintaining that really high yield potential or letting it slip away and going way lower on the ladder. So a large amount of that is going to be based on starting on a good solid foundation with healthy, balanced soil biology. So now you hopefully understand a little bit more about how these microbes impact plant health from our first episode. That starts at the beginning of the plant's life like I just explained. Things like nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium are obviously important and required in large amounts for for optimum yields, but every nutrient is equally important. So just because a nutrient is called a micronutrient doesn't mean it's less important to yield. It can be just as important as as any macronutrient can be. Those microbes are going to drive the availability of all nutrients. So healthy soil is going to help make sure that the plants get the right amount and balance of those nutrients to support its growth throughout its entire life. Obviously, that's going to turn into yield. It also promotes good soil structure. Healthy soil is critical for soil structure. We explained a lot of that already um, in the first episode. But just to recap a little bit, soil structure is aggregation. We need good soil aggregates. Um, We need these tiny soil particles to bundle together. Um, into little aggregates, kind of like a cluster of grapes, so that water and oxygen can infiltrate. That's gonna, you're gonna see that with drainage in the field. When you walk out to the field and it's been raining heavy and your soil doesn't drain for a couple days, it stays waterlogged or stays underwater, not a good sign. Um, that's a, that's a good indication that we've got some compaction and we probably don't have great biology. Um, 
with drainage comes oxygen, right? So the faster that water drains, the more oxygen we get in the soil, in the root zone, and these microbes need that oxygen to survive and to function and to pass nutrients to our plant. So there are some signs of a healthy soil that I always look for, and you can too. Do you go out to the field and realize when you're walking on it and reach down and grab a handful or dig in the dirt with your hand, does it have good structure? Can you dig your soil with your hands or do you have to jump on a shovel to get it go down in there? Um, Does your soil have a good smell? It should have a good earthy smell to it. If you picked up a handful of soil and just smelled it, it should smell like earth. When you're walking in the woods and the, the fall has happened, all the leaves have fallen off the trees and that's breaking down, if you reach down and scoop that up and you smell that earthy smell, that's aerobic decomposition. That's what we want to smell in our soils. We want that good earthy smell. Um, and are there b- good um, are there good beneficial microbes present in your soil? For example, when we dig roots early, do we see lots of root mass, even though the above ground portion of the plant is small? Do we see lots of feeder roots or root hairs? One thing that we want to know is when our plant is four or five inches tall, is our root system four or five or six or seven or eight inches deep already a lot of times we want to have we want to have at least as much below ground biomass as above ground biomass a lot of times we want more Um, you can only get that if you have good soil structure and good biology Um, another thing to look for uh, do our plants struggle to get out of the ground and get a good stand established if you notice that every year it seems to be harder and harder to get those plants out of the ground and get a good even stand um, that's a sign that that we've got biology lacking Um, does our residue break down quickly all right when you're walking in the field do you have residue from two or three years ago or longer Um, if we don't recycle almost all of our residue in one season We obviously, our biology, something's out of balance, something's missing there. So can we still maintain good yields even though we had a stressful year? Do we, if we grow 210 bushel farm average corn every year um, on a decent year, does it drop way down to 150 when we have too much or not enough rain? Or does it hang up there a lot closer to our average? We should be able to maintain good yields with stressful weather. I'm not talking a disaster I'm just saying, if we don't have any rain in June and July for six weeks, we shouldn't be losing 50 or 60 bushel off our farm average, which is pretty common. On soybeans, um, if your farm average is 55 bushels, you know, you have a really dry year. Do you drop down to a 40 bushel average or are you staying up there closer to, you know, only losing five or six or seven bushels on your farm average? Those are the things that we look for. without the soil test to determine do we have good healthy soil do we have good biology or do these weather events absolutely kill us do we live and die by these weather events we shouldn't live and die just by a little bit of stressful weather so these are all indicators that we either have healthy soil or something's lacking and if we have if we can check a lot of these things off the list then we probably have pretty healthy soil it may not be perfect but it's at least pretty decent not that there's no room for improvement but the more of these boxes you can check the more that that we can kind of assume that we have a fairly healthy soil so let's dive into the role of biologicals or biofertilizers in enhancing your crop yields biological fertilizers are nature's gift to farmers They contain beneficial microorganisms like bacteria or fungi that help promote plant growth and soil health. So think of them as probiotics for your soil. 
I firmly believe that biologicals are a better choice than synthetic inputs like dry fertilizers and pesticides. So just one quick example, all fertilizers are salts, okay? A salt by definition is a positive and a negative attached together. So we know table salt is sodium chloride. Sodium's positive, chloride's negative, they're attached. What do salts do? They have a high affinity for water. What do microorganisms need? They need water. They need pure water. So what is the first, what's the original preservative on earth? Salt, right? So when we used to pack meat, we used to pack it in barrels of salt. Why did we do that? What breaks down meat? What makes meat decay? Bacteria and fungi, right, will eat away and decompose meat. Well, if you cover it in salt, they can't access water, and it inhibits them. So salts are not a good thing for soil microbes. So we will talk a lot throughout this podcast on balance, balanced soil biology, balanced plant nutrition. So this fertilizer being salt conversation boils down to balance. Um, I'm not an extremist. I don't want to go so far as to say never 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 can we use fertilizer Um, never 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 can we use pesticides Um, but it's about balance we're trying to find the balance of fertility and biology so there is a difference in fertility as far as chemistry is concerned um, and biology biology aids fertility but it is not the only thing So we have to find that balance of how much fertilizer do we apply, where do we keep our levels, um, and how do we maximize and maintain the healthiest soil we can. So when our microbes are inhibited by too much salt, we lose all the things that microbes give us, like we mentioned in the first episode. We lose micronutrient uptake. We're going to lose the drought stress mitigation that they give us. We're going to lose some antibiotic production that these bacteria and fungi are giving our plants to help them fend off diseases and insects. Um, All of these things, if we have way too much salt, um, when we miss out on them, then it's going to be up to our plant. Um, It's going to be kind of like saying, good luck, good luck doing this on your own, or we're going to have to step in and apply things like fungicides and insecticides a lot more regularly to keep our plants healthy. So, Whenever we have the opportunity, we would prefer a biological solution. So there are some fertilizer and chemical inputs that we rely on and we rely heavily on, don't get me wrong. But every chance we have to use a natural solution in their place, uh, we're going to take that. By using biological products, growers can help protect the environment and reduce their carbon footprint. We use natural ingredients in our products. They're designed to be safe for your soils and for human health. So if you stop and think about it, everything that we put on the soil and on our plants is eventually going to end up back in us, whether it's going to animals, um, animal feed, and then to us or directly to us. What we put out is eventually, for the most part, going to come back to us. So we are also charged with being stewards of this world, specifically the soil. So almost every civilization that's collapsed Um, That collapse started with the failure of their agricultural productivity and their soil health. So I'll get off that soapbox for now. Um, We might end up back here again one day. So biological products, biologicals, biofertilizers, all these things are tools in the tool bag. There's a very specific method that we use 
in choosing which tools we're going to pull out of the tool bag. And as long as we go through that process, um, we will get a marked improvement in yield. For example, we've got some farmers here in southern Illinois that um, it's common for us to struggle with pythium on corn. When we dig those corn plants up at V1, V2, we have a huge absence of feeder roots. Um, it's not something you'll see above ground. It's only below ground. So we're, we're very big on early detection. We're high yield management. So we are looking at things a lot more closely than what uh, traditional um, agronomy would probably look at it. So when we dig those corn plants up and we see that absence of feeder roots, we know, hey, this is most likely a pythium infection. So when we pull the right tool out of the tool bag and we address this either on the seed, on the planter box, as a planter box treatment or in furrow, we're able to significantly reduce that pythium infection. And we've had yield increases in our trials of 14, 15, 16 bushels plus on corn by eliminating that early pythium infection. So there's a lot of different examples of, of, of this kind of situation where we identify the problem, we choose the right tool to address the problem, and we remove that as a limiting factor and allow our yields to drive higher. Today we got to cover the fundamentals of plant growth and the essential role in soil health and getting your plants off to the right start, as well as the magic of biological fertilizers and what they can do for you. Hit me up on social media with any questions you might have. Obviously, I love talking about this stuff. It's my passion. I could talk about it for days and hours on end. So subscribe and come back next time. We're always working extremely hard to show you guys there's so much opportunity just waiting to be harnessed literally right underneath your feet. So thanks again for listening to Better From The Ground Up.